0: Evie, what's your favourite food? Bubbles. And what goes with porridge? Bubbles. And? Bubbles. <laughs> Turmeric. Oh, that's very advanced. Now, do you want to know more about nutrition? Uh, yeah. Let's talk to Siobhan. <laughs> Nutrition is where it all started for you, is that right?
1: Initially, I trained to be a teacher and I'm still working as a teacher. But um, I took a few years out and I went travelling in Australia. And after years in college and a few years travelling, my health was horrendous. Like I was eating takeaways, not eating enough, going out too much maybe, not exercising in years. Um, there was actually a gym across the road giving a free personal training sessions and I went to one and the girl I matched up with was amazing and she was so full of life and so vibrant and happy and I was like wow this is what health looks like like you're happy with yourself and so yeah. um rather than just doing personal training sessions with her I actually signed up to trained to become a personal trainer um so I did that in Australia and I worked in a gym for a while and then I came back to Ireland and I realized that exercise is only part of the equation and we're eating a lot more than we're exercising um so I trained to be a nutritional therapist um with the College of Naturopathic Medicine so that took three years You have to do 200 clinic hours when you're training a nutritional therapist so it was there that my interest in women's health really grew Um, and I saw big changes in my own health as well and I just saw recurring things recurring hormonal problems with women stress sleep weight issues and I was like this isn't talked about enough um our menstrual cycle isn't talked about enough so I hadn't a period for 10 years but I thought nothing of it at the time I thought it was brilliant I was saving a fortune every month I wasn't getting pregnant and at the time like I'd absolutely no idea that this was going to affect my future fertility like it affects your bone health it affects your cardiovascular health but I had absolutely no idea um like when you're in school you're just taught how not to get pregnant and getting pregnant seems like the easiest thing in the world to do. So um, really, it never entered my head. Um, And it wasn't until I started studying nutrition that I realized, oh, my God, this is not good. Periods can be a a nuisance for people, but they're actually a monthly sign that everything is going well in your body. And when Mm. it's not, when you're not getting that monthly health check-in of your menstrual cycle, then something's wrong somewhere. And I just, I didn't know that. I didn't realize it. So I made a few changes to my diet and I got my period back and I actually ended up getting pregnant then during my nutrition course. So that, okay. yeah, so that further ignited um, my interest in women's health and fertility as well.
0: You mentioned there you made some dietary changes and some lifestyle changes. So were these all subtle changes that you made?
1: Yeah, in my early 20s and um, late 20s, I was on the low fat craze, we'll say. Um, So everything was low fat, except for all the takeaways I was eating, of course, but um, everything else. Yeah, I wasn't eating any healthy fats at all and not eating enough protein or vegetables. So I initially started introducing avocados, flaxseed, having eggs for breakfast, these little things slowly. And I got my period back within two months of introducing these foods that I had never eaten. Like it was total fat phobia. And it was just the culture that we were living in um, at the time that fat was bad. But luckily that's changing now. And I think people are realizing just how important fat protein healthy foods are for our health. Because every single cell in your body is made from fat fat. And if you're not eating the right fats, you don't have the raw ingredients or materials to make the cells. And unfortunately, we don't need to get pregnant to um, stay alive. So your body forfeits your fertility if something's gone awry in your body and looks after everything else to keep you alive.
0: Wow, isn't that interesting? Survival instincts.
1: Yeah, like our bodies are amazing and they'll, the work they do behind the scenes, like We don't understand the half of it. The things it does for us to keep us alive on an everyday basis, running off nothing if we're not looking after ourselves, it's amazing. Where
0: did you go from there?
1: I think it was in my final year, just when I was about to finish, and I was thinking about well, what are my real interests. And it was after having Eva, my first baby, I knew that it was women's health and fertility and all the prenatal, postnatal. So Emer, my friend, who's the other half of food fitness fertility, I contacted her. Um, She um, had her own gym, um, pre- and postnatal exercise, and we actually did um, our pre- and postnatal exercise qualification together. Um, So she was fresh in my mind, and I just came to her with the idea of would she have any interest in um, setting up something to educate women on their fertility, on their menstrual health, um, just how food and exercise can impact our overall health and our fertility. So she was very excited about this. She suggested we meet at Crowpatrick to climb while we were talking. And afterwards, actually, we came down and I don't know who we told, but we said, oh, we had our first meeting on Crowpatrick. And they're like, you know, that's a fertility mountain we're like what (gasps) no way yeah so we saw it as a sign and we like I think our first meeting was the end of March and we had a website and everything set up by October so yeah it was great it was fast and it was brilliant and it feels like it was just yesterday but it's going on nearly it's two and a half years now so um wow yeah we're loving it
0: and in that time, you've both been busy with your side projects of having a few more babies as well.
1: <laughs> yeah, that's been a real learning curve as well. And um, so I just had my second baby there. I'm not up to Emer standard quite yet, but um, and I had a miscarriage in between my two babies as well. And that was a huge learning curve as well, because... Even though I'm in this fear and I'm learning all about the nutrients and how we protect our pregnancies and our babies. On the way to the hospital, when I was miscarrying, I was in denial. As in, I didn't believe it was happening. It was 14 weeks. Um, the percentage of losing a baby at that time is like 1% or less. And then after it happened, you just go into blame and wondering what you did wrong and
0: mm.
1: even though I know that eighty percent of loss is down to something completely genetic abnormalities or something that you have absolutely no control over. But um I think as women we just are used to finding the reasons of what you could have done better or what you did wrong. I mean, I was lying in the hospital that night and I was um Googling uh do does wearing high heels cause miscarriage these ridiculous things Aww. that you just you know you've no control over but um so I realized just how important the way we think is and um how negative thinking can really affect our health and it does like stress causes so much inflammation in our bodies which impacts not only your hormones, but like your fertility, your digestion, everything. Um, I was always interested in psychology and it was always kind of in the back of my mind to study it. Uh, When I trained to be a personal trainer, I realized that fitness is so important, but so is the food we eat. And then I studied food and I realized if the way we talk to ourselves and think and the way our mindset is is so important to our overall health and our ability to be kind and healthy and to make right, the right choices. And when I was doing clinics um, to train to be a nutritional therapist, I just found that women were really hard on themselves um, and it, they put so much expectations on themselves it wasn't being helpful in any sense to achieving their goals and it wasn't wasn't serving any positive purpose it's the relationship women have with themselves that i think needs to be worked on for a lot of us i mean let's take a woman 6 months postpartum um and she is thinking of herself in a negative way that my body should be, look a certain way by now and looking in the mirror saying these negative things to herself. I mean, if you were talking to your best friend and telling her, Jesus, look at the stasia you've had a baby six months ago and you still have love handles or you haven't bounced back into your size 8 or size 12 genes from before you were pregnant And you're a disgrace and all this kind of stuff. Like you would never say that to your best friend, but we say these Mm. things to ourselves all the time. And I think going forward, when maybe if you've had a little girl or a little boy, could you imagine them Mm. talking to themselves like that when they're older? These are things that kids can subtly pick up on. And um, I think if we teach them how to be happy in their bodies and by being happy in our own bodies and being happy in our own capabilities, that's huge. But it can be so hard for women because we put so much pressure on ourselves. So I really want to um, study kind of the whys of we do what we do and how can you um, find out your real goals and your real values and finding these out to help yourself Achieve your goals in life, your health goals.
0: Is there anything else specifically about women's health that that really motivates you? What is it about working in this area?
1: It's the pressure that women put on themselves on an everyday basis to have the perfect life, to um, be the perfect mom, to be the perfect wife, to be the perfect employee or self employed person and then on top of all that, keeping the perfect house, keeping the perfect diet, trying to maintain some level of health, have a great body. Um and like these are pressures that social media is driving. Now social media is great as well because we can get so much info from it. But um if you're in a bad place postpartum where you haven't bounced back into this to the body that you were think you're supposed to be in um it can cause a, a lot of internal stress and pressure for women um so I really want to help in that sphere to help women realize just how amazing their bodies are and I think myself and Emer are really passionate about that as well postpartum your body's just after having a baby. It's just after growing a baby. You're not going to bounce back straight away. It's done something amazing. Why do women reach out to you? There's maybe three different groups of women that reach out to us. Um, The first group would probably be um, women who are getting married and kind of thinking well I want to have a baby afterwards what's the best way to optimize my lifestyle now so that when we do start trying that everything's already in place um, or maybe they're coming off the pill and they want to make that transition um, easier so what are the different things that they should look out for to make sure everything's going okay and um, so this would be proactive kind of um, anticipating. So future-proofing nearly again, um, what's going to happen after in the next stage of their life, that they're going to start trying for a baby and what's the best way to optimize that. Um, then we have um, a, women who are couples who are have been trying for a baby and things aren't maybe going the way they'd hoped or planned. Um, so they um, maybe have endometriosis, um, PCOS, or they're not having their periods um, and they need some help regaining that. Um, so that they might be in the initial stages of trying for a baby. Um, and then there's women who have been through all this and are going through IVF um, and are looking for ways to optimize their chances of successful IVF treatments. And we really encourage that the men partake in these changes as well, because Mm. quite often all the work is put on the woman to make all these changes because we carry the baby. It's assumed that, well, everything is down to the woman's health, Mm. but an embryo is made of half of you, half of the woman and half of the male, the male partner. Mm. Um, And I remember after my miscarriage, actually, I had mentioned that my husband was getting blood tests done as well. Mm. And someone was like, why is he getting tested? Like, what's Mm. it got to do with him? Mm. And I was just like, sure, it's half of him. It might be his genetic material or whatever. And it's not really in the talk, considered the male. But um, it's so important, 50% of infertility is down to male factor. Um, And I think it's important that women know this, that it's not all down to them and that men need to make changes as well.
0: It's also a good, it's a good place to start, isn't it? Mutual responsibility. And long may that last then, hopefully through your successful pregnancy and your postpartum period and your
1: parenting journey. Absolutely. Gone are the times when men were the breadwinners and women did all the maternal, well, what was seen as maternal, all the rearing of the kids, all the cleaning, all the cooking. Now that's still present to an extent, of course, but women are working these days as well. So it's just so much responsibility and no wonder... There's so much stress and mental health issues now. But there's way too much pressure on women. Mm. So these changes for having a baby, making a baby, need to be done together. So is your job like a regular nine to five? Um, no. So I have my regular nine to three job of um, teaching, and then we'll say the nutrition is my passion. At um and. At the moment, I'm doing it in the evenings. We are working predominantly online with women and doing consultations online and working within our group of Food Fitness Fertility. Uh, I'm also teaching nutrition to a profi fitness school. So it's teaching personal trainers um, and working with another project for a ladies lifestyle academy they are helping women just to gain more confidence in their bodies and working with a life coach and personal trainers in that group and that's been brilliant as well with regards to the nutrition and food fitness fertility we are working online with groups we've started doing zoom calls with our groups of women in our facebook group which has been great since the lockdown, actually,
0: will you continue on doing those uh, meetings online, or will you guys start getting people together in person?
1: That's interesting because infertility has been such a taboo subject for a lot of women. Um, they can be quite nervous to come online and meet other women. They realise that Ireland is such a small country, and they're afraid. But um. Of the women that we've been doing the Zoom calls with, they absolutely love the sport. They realise the importance of connecting with other people and realising you're not alone in this journey. I mean, if you're sitting at home um, on your own, not talking to anybody, you kind of start thinking that, oh, there must be something wrong with me because I'm the only person going through this. That's what we've noticed. The women who are talking and are meeting in the groups, the Zoom calls are realising that they're not alone on this journey. Um, So we're Mm -hmm. definitely going to continue with the Zoom calls for now.
0: Do you have any postpartum women come to you or would, would people come back to you after they have their babies looking for advice on how to get through that phase?
1: It's not as frequent as women who are trying to have a baby or who are pregnant who we hear from most because in society it's like, you've had the baby the job's done now Mm -hmm. fend for yourself um but it's it's so important um especially when a lot of women are hoping to have maybe another pregnancy so trying to get the body ready for that and replenishing all the nutrients that have been lost through your pregnancy and through labor um and through lack of sleep Um, and maybe not being able to have the time to nourish yourself properly. So um, I wish there'd be more. And this is why this podcast is amazing, because it's allowing women to ask the questions that need to be asked about their own health and saying, oh, I'm allowed to be tired or I'm allowed to not feel really energetic or I'm allowed to ask for help um, after I've had the baby.
0: For people who wouldn't consider themselves having a great track record of paying attention to nutritional values and benefits, how does it work for those people? You know, do you have to be particularly delighted with the idea of changing your lifestyle?
1: absolutely not no um and a lot of people can be quite resistant to changing things i think um a lot of self-sabotage can nearly go on as well because i mean who hasn't been on a diet and it hasn't worked you're kind of well this one's not going to work and um, you set yourself up to fail nearly this is why we take a uh, more subtle approach a more forgiving approach that you do not have to make huge lifestyle changes you just get better every day so Mm
0: -hmm.
1: ways of getting better every day are making small changes how could I have made today better and it might have absolutely nothing to do with nutrition initially it might have to do with your sleep because you can make much better nutritional decisions when you have had your sleep um Mm -hmm. And then it might be movement, it might be exercise, because when you exercise, you're a lot more motivated to look after yourself because you have those endorphins, you feel better about yourself. And then when you're hydrated. So these are things you might look at first, and then we will look at changing one meal at a time changing maybe what foods you're incorporating into your meals. so what is the percentage makeup of your day are you having far too many fats and not enough protein and carbohydrates or some other area are you having too many carbohydrates which is usually too many carbohydrates and not enough protein can be something we see quite a lot um yeah. Yeah, so it's just looking at the individual that way and trying to work with them and seeing what they are able to do at that stage of their life. Would they be able to go to bed a little bit earlier? And if not, okay, let's take a step back and see what else they can change. What yeah. is going to work for them? So
0: making things manageable is really to the forefront and not scary and not overwhelming. What about people on the flip side then? People who are like, right, Morgan's blazing, I'm all in i'll do anything how do you temper that
1: yeah and we see that a lot as well like um there's a lot of women who want to be the best at everything have the best nutrition the best workout routine the best um of everything and of course you see it online and you think that that's what's happening for the people that you're looking at on instagram but um The grass isn't always greener, as they say, especially for these women. And what we can see here is that we need them to sit down and, again, take a step back and look at what's going on. Is there headaches from stress? Have they lost their period, which can be a sign that maybe you're not eating enough or that you're working out too much? or that you're highly stressed? Um, Are they sleeping at all? Are their muscles really tense? Have they aches and pains all over? Um, And I think this type of situation is happening more and more because of the pressure that we're putting on ourselves to be all these people and to achieve everything. I think the way you talk to yourself and being more forgiving and allowing yourself to take a step back and not have to be everywhere at once or do everything at once or be everything for everyone.
0: Again, with these type of people, it's about growing awareness, educating and making small adjustments that are manageable to each unique individual. So you really, it's a very personalized journey. Yeah. What if it's just not happening? What if you're trying different things with them all the time, but really the the goal for want of a better word
1: is not being achieved When women come to us initially or couples come to us, the goal is to have a baby. Um, And if that's not working, it can be really hard. It can be exhausting. I mean, it can be mentally exhausting. It can be financially exhausting. And if you're getting loads of treatments done or tests done, it can be straining on the relationship. Um, So you find that couples in this situation are just so tired. And it's kind of looking at their life in another way, um, that they're far more than just prospective parents, that they have so much more going on um, and that looking after their health isn't just for the sake of having a baby. It's for their physical um, vitality. It's for their mental health it's for their physical health it's for going forward it's for future proofing their health going forward um and that if it's not working out right now that not to forget everything that they've done and all the changes that they've done to continue on this journey of health um, and well-being and who knows what's going to happen in the future but if you expect everything to happen immediately and it doesn't or it doesn't happen within six months, or it doesn't happen within a year, and you go back to maybe um, unhealthier habits, like um, something that really affects fertility is smoking. So maybe going back to these habits isn't going to be the best thing, even if it hasn't worked for you straight away giving up. I think maintaining some level of health and well-being going forward is always going to have positive effects on your life and to um keep this in mind and people might not be in a place to hear that right now when you're trying for a baby um but it's just important to realize that your health and well-being is going to impact how you um how you manage what's going on in your life and how you deal with it going forward.
0: Say, for example, I haven't been part of your groups or one of your clients previously and I'm in that postpartum phase now and in that fourth trimester or maybe even a little bit beyond that or way beyond that. And I'm inspired by what you have to say. I can totally touch base and there's probably some level of consultation or advice or something that you can offer.
1: Oh, Absolutely yeah definitely and um we get questions from women who are in no phase of having babies not trying mm-hmm. for babies not pregnant and um, not postpartum um so yeah we we get a lot of questions on a daily basis regarding just general health um we love talking to women we love helping so please if you have any questions i mean And that's why online can be great as well, because you can just direct message someone on Instagram and ask a question and get it rather than spending hours trying to Google yourself. So um, it's a really good um, platform for that. And we absolutely love messaging people, talking to them online. So, hit us up.
0: How has nutrition therapy evolved in your in your opinion over recent years?
1: Yeah, so um in two different ways. So we have the um, social media sphere where um, there's a lot of nutrition advice being given out by a lot of different sources it's mostly conflicting like you're told by one person not to have dairy and another person not to have gluten another person not to have carbohydrates another person not to have fat and it's really hard for people to know where to turn and where who to listen to so um I would advise people just to be careful of where you're getting your nutrition advice from are these people qualified to give out nutrition advice two bodies have been set up our nutritional therapists want the nutritional therapists of Ireland. Um, so look to see is someone associated with the NTOI, or the Bant is the British version. And then you have your mm-hmm. dieticians and nutritionists as well, and mm. they are university educated too. So um, there's no such thing as the best diet or the best food. Everyone is made differently. So Different foods are going to work for different people. Different lifestyle approaches are going to work for different people. So as a nutritional therapist, we really look at the root causes of an individual's symptoms and conditions and find out how we can help that person because it's going to be completely different to the way we help someone else.
0: Is it fair to say that nutrition as a therapy has kind of grown through social media, but that's not necessarily the most reliable advice out there and that really if you've got a specific issue, is there plenty of information out there, even online, not not necessarily on social media?
1: Absolutely. There's loads of good information out there. We can go for years, like I did, I went for years without investigating why I wasn't having a menstrual cycle. It's just in us to ignore what's going on in our bodies. Um I mean having a stool or going for a poo every day is really, really important. You'd be amazed at the amount of people who think having a poo once a week is absolutely normal and it might be absolutely normal for them, but it's not healthy. And it's on social media that you might might see that in a Instagram post or on a blog that how important certain things are, like facial hair might be symptom of imbalanced hormones um this is where people are hearing these things for the first time so it's absolutely brilliant for that the online information Mm. and then Mm. um encouraging people to look into it and then talk to someone who can go through their own their own background and their own medical history and maybe their family history as well to see what's going on for them
0: can you highlight some of the basic healthcare advantages to paying attention to nutrition well-being for women of all ages?
1: I think a lot of people would want you to think that good nutrition is extremely complicated and that you need to buy these really far-fetched foods, these superfoods um, to be healthy, that you need to create these masterpieces that can go on Instagram to have a healthy diet that kind of stuff and um, making it out that you need to pay a certain amount of money to get the perfect diet. But mm. good health, good nutrition is really simple and boring and it's not a good sell. You go into a supermarket and you don't see on a packet of carrots buy me full of vitamin C full of vitamin A <laughs> full of fiber like you you don't need to put that on a bag of carrots or a packet of broccoli because you know there's no there's no markup for them they're not going to make a fortune selling them but um, you do see that on other products it's getting back to basics I mean if I set everyone in the country down and told them that if they wrote a good meal plan they would win a million euros. I mean, every single person would know absolutely the types of foods that they would need to write down. But I think we can kind of get caught up in... Everything else, and how exciting a food plan is, or how exciting new foods are, or the packaging on foods are, or someone's food plan is. So, we forget the basics, and the basics are getting enough protein. So, foods that are high in protein would be meats, lentils, eggs, fish, chicken, and then getting enough healthy fats, getting avocados in getting eggs in getting greek yogurt in getting your oily fish in nuts and seeds and then getting your good fibers in so whole grains fruit vegetables all these foods and like if you know that basic information which we all know and you start implementing that into your life, um, having either porridge or eggs maybe for breakfast, that'd be a good start. If you just start with that and change from the sugar puffs or whatever um, high sugar cereal, maybe it's um, toast marmalade and change to oats or eggs. I mean, that is a huge difference. That's going to start your day off brilliantly. You have fiber in there. You're going to have protein in there. Your blood sugars are going to be balanced. Your mood is going to be better. You're going to be full up for longer, um, and just making these small changes. And once you've mastered that, then start thinking about, okay, what can I do for lunch? How can I have a better lunch? So maybe right now your lunch is a bag of crisps and a sandwich. So how can I make that better? Well, maybe first just swap the bag of crisps for a yogurt. Um, so do that for a while, and then next, okay, how can I make the sandwich a bit better? Well, maybe I'll use brown bread instead of white bread and making all these small little changes over time. And if you're consistent with this, it's just going to have such a huge impact on your health. And as women I said earlier, um we are lucky because we get this monthly sign, health checkup nearly, of our period. And if your period is painful, if you're blood flow is really heavy or it's really weak if the gap between your periods if your menstrual cycle is over 35 days if it's under 25 days these are huge signs that something else is going on in your body so we're actually extremely lucky to have a period because men don't have these symptoms or conditions that can tell them what's going on in their body when you're trying for a baby and you're getting. Um, a period obviously it can have um, a really negative impact on you at the time but I think besides that outside of that um, periods can be really helpful in telling us what's going on in our lives
0: our bodies are so busy super busy as women, as you get into adolescence and then right up until menopause. And there's going to be times over the course of that, you know, they're out the door. Like you say, you have your monthly cycle, hopefully, fingers crossed that's happening for you. Yeah. You might be lucky enough to have a child. So you're growing a baby for nine or 10 months and then you've got to get into recovery phase and then you might have more babies and then you're in your menopause. So can you Talk a little bit about the importance of those proteins, fibers, slow release carbs and their contribution to assisting your body through all of those stages.
1: Yeah. So um we'll start with protein. I'll just take the postpartum part of our lives for now. Yeah. Um so after you've had a baby, your body has been through so much. You've either like competed in maybe a marathon during your um your labor, and then maybe surgery if you had a section, or maybe you've done both. So the first food you're going to get afterwards is toast, which is very welcome at the time. You're going to have to post that start thinking about the foods that are going to build and repair the cells in your body, your skin. um, So get the elasticity back in. Um, So foods that are high in protein, protein is going to repair and build the cells in your body again. So foods like bone broth full of collagen that is going to help with any recovery Um, especially perineum has been stretched your skin has been stretched so we want to get that elasticity back we want to get the repair back if you have had stitches if you had a tear and there's a lot of recovery that needs to happen and protein is the food to do this so foods that are high in protein are usually from meat sources are the best best absorbed by our body chicken fish and kind of slow cooking these is the best way because you're getting all the nutrients out of the meat as well. Meat is a highly nutritious food. Um, And bone broth, there's just so much nutrients in the bones of animals and in the tissues. They're really going to help repair our tissues as well. So if you can get someone to help you with the cooking or bone broths and um, slow cooked meals are foods that you can cook beforehand if you have the time. Um, and put them in the freezer and you can bulk cook all these foods as well if you are a vegetarian you can of course get enough protein into your diet lentils chickpeas quinoa um, but you just need to make sure that you are eating those types of foods and preparing them right and that you aren't kind of just going for the convenience vegetarian foods as well then it's getting your body back, getting your hormones back balanced because there's been a huge hormonal shift after you've had a baby. Full fat foods, fatty foods are so nutritious for this and help with nutrient absorption as well. Making sure that you have all these Foods around you and stocked in the fridge.
0: What about other bits and bobs, like a list of handy things that you can just like sprinkle on your on your porridge, or bits and pieces that are handy to have in your cupboard?
1: Turmeric is great because um, it's full of antioxidants, and antioxidants are great for um, recovery as well and decreasing inflammation that is going to be there after you've had a baby because there might be tears because. If you had a section, there's going to be the wound there as well. Um, So antioxidants are present in all your fruit, all your vegetables and in your fatty fish too. So getting in your omega trees, your thyroid is going to be undergoing some changes as well. So having some dilisk seaweeds that you can sprinkle, that's a great little thing. You can buy them like as kind of like salt shakers now. Um, And they can have some iodine in it. That's really going to help your thyroid get back to homeostasis. Um, Yeah, so try that out. It's in the health shops now. And actually, Ackles Sea Salt, they have the seaweed in it as well. So if you like salt on things has the seaweed as well so loads of extra nutrients there
0: Um,
1: selenium is another one that's really good for your thyroid and it's very high in brazil nuts so having some Mm. brazil nuts around the house other nuts um, almonds are high in magnesium which is going to help recovery too and help with sleep even though sleep probably isn't something that's happening a lot for women Mm. in the initial postpartum making sure that these highly um, nutrient dense foods like nuts and seeds are available to you that um, full-fat Greek yogurt is another one that's great to have and I find really useful if you're a vegetarian it might be useful to have a vegetarian protein powder just okay. to make sure that you are getting all the amino acids that you need for recovery and repair and if you wanted you could make things like protein balls and protein bars um mm. or nut balls um, or ask people to make them for you like ask for gifts of dinners and food rather than baby clothes yeah
0: yeah <laughs> big fun But what about hormones? Okay, I think that's that's the one thing that a lot of women might feel a bit fearful of because we don't know when they're going to come. It's like, surprise, I'm in a bad mood or surprise, I'm crying my eyes out. What kind of little things can you put in your day to day nutrition that might help that along, help balance things out?
1: Yeah, so there's a few things you can do. First of all, um, the most practical thing I think would be to make sure that you're not Um, eating a diet that's really spiking your blood sugars throughout the day. So that means not having really high sugary foods from morning till night and balancing blood sugars by eating um, foods that are high in protein with all your meals and high fiber foods. So balancing blood sugars that way. Because when you're having these dips all day or sugar highs, the insulin in your body is going to try and mitigate that by releasing a lot of insulin, but it does it too good of a job and it lowers your blood sugars. And when we have low blood sugars, this is when our mood can be low, we can get snappy, you start craving more high sugar foods because you're feeling really tired as well. So um, that'd be the first thing. Another thing that has been proven to help with mood and energy especially in the postpartum, is um, probiotics. So Mm -hmm. eating fermented foods, maybe. And it's actually become a lot more available in shops these days. Foods like kefir, which is a fermented Mm -hmm. yogurt, kombucha, and sauerkraut, which is basically just cabbage and salt, and kimchi, foods like that. If you could have those in the fridge um, and just added a little bit of sauerkraut on top of your meals had a bit of kefir you can add it to your smoothie it tastes like yogurt a very strong natural yogurt you can add that to your smoothies and it's helping your gut bacteria so 70 to 80 percent of our immune system is in our gut as well so and your immune system is really working it's on overdrive after you've had a baby it's trying to get everything back to um again back to health um back to homeostasis so trying to support your immune system in any way you can so eating fermented foods or just taking a probiotic after you've had a baby or throughout your life especially after antibiotics or after stressful times in your life can be really helpful then the b vitamins are really good as well so B12, B9, which is your folate that you've been taking throughout your pregnancy. These are really good as well. And the whole array of B vitamins are so important for our energy levels, for stress. They can really get depleted in times of stress. Um, So if you're eating a wide variety of foods, they're going to have all your B vitamins in ish. They're present in meats, in whole grains, in vegetables, in fruit. But um, vegetarians might have trouble getting B12. It's really just present in uh, animal foods. So um, I would suggest uh, that they would supplement with B12. Tablet forms or vegetarian forms as well. Yeah, capsules.
0: What's your opinion on
1: nutrition in the postnatal phase. What's wrong with the recommendations is that there's recommendations of what nutrients, how much iron you need, how much calcium you need, how much magnesium you need for women who are breastfeeding postpartum. And then there's a huge array of recommendations of what you need while you're pregnant. But there's absolutely nothing for women who aren't breastfeeding, but have just had a baby. So, I don't know. It's the expectation that you've had the baby, now you're completely back to normal, unless you're (laughs) breastfeeding. <laughs> which is obscene like it's absolutely yeah. ridiculous um, oh, yeah because you've grown a human being and you've been through labor and maybe you've been through surgery and your body is in recovery mode but yet there's no recommendations of how much iron you need to be taken how much protein you need to be taken how much healthy fats you need to be taken so i think this is something that should really be considered changing in the guidelines.
0: Big time. It's almost like it needs to be reframed entirely, like everything that you're saying about recovery and proteins and fibres and all those delicious spices and, you know, supplements and, you know, vitamins and minerals. And you just mentioned they apply to each and every woman who has just given birth or gone through maybe any kind of really physical side of things like that, like maybe even a miscarriage or yeah, things haven't really worked out for you the way you thought they were going to and you've lost your baby. Like you still need all those things to help your body to recover.
1: Absolutely. Um And it's trying to get all these nutrients to your uterus, to the areas that um need the recovery. And if there's no education around this, um, and even with our checkups, I mean, the six week checkup is crazy. I think you get asked, is everything okay? Okay. Wonderful. And that's, well, that's all that happened for me and nothing against uh, my health providers, but that's just what they've been taught to do. So, um, I think we could really improve on how we look after women postpartum and how women can even look after themselves because you don't have to bounce back. You're not expected to bounce back. Um, That's abnormal to be able to bounce back and be your body to be the way it was. And if you're having multiple children, if your recovery stage between your pregnancies has been quite short, then you need to look after yourself way more than normal as well babies for want of a better word um, are leeches they take (laughs) they will take all the nutrients they are looking after themselves and your body is made to give the baby the nutrients from your body which is great for the baby your baby is perfect it has everything it needs even when we're breastfeeding it's able to take the nutrients from our bodies and into the milk at the expense of our health unfortunately and this is where you might see postpartum after maybe six months that oh my hair hasn't started growing back uh-huh. and I'm losing a lot more hair or I'm losing a lot of weight or I'm putting on a lot of weight things like this and my sleeve hasn't gone back to normal I'm getting heart palpitations this kind of stuff and these are signs that okay um I haven't been restoring the nutrients I haven't but like we, we don't stop and listen because it's go, 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 get to the next mm. place. Um, mm. So
0: one turn of phrase that keeps coming
1: up is future
0: proofing. So instead of bouncing back, what we're doing at this phase is we're future proofing. We're listening in
1: mm-hmm.
0: to help our bodies for the rest of our lives.
1: And I think as well, it's anticipating what is going to happen, what might happen say if you're pregnant with your first baby and anticipating the challenges that you might come up against so um you're not going to have time to prep and make lots of food so maybe fill the freezer or have a food delivery service with good foods or have someone cook for you and also you won't have the energy to look for help Maybe. Actually, one thing I did this time around that I didn't do with my first baby was go to a pelvic floor physio. That was mind opening as yeah. well, because um I just didn't really consider it and it's absolutely ridiculous. I mean, I <laughs> grew a baby and pushed her out of there and never got it checked up or anything. So um that was great just to make sure I was doing everything, right, doing my pelvic floor exercises. Exercises right and um, that everything was going okay. So, maybe having a check in and having um, these types of contacts available to you for when something doesn't feel quite right. And even having um, yeah. a therapist that maybe if you do get some postpartum blues that are going on for too long, maybe that you don't have to search for the number because you mightn't be in a place to search that you you have a contact number that you say, okay, this is the person I'm going to contact if something isn't going right, if I don't feel right. So there's lots of things you can do. And then these are future-proofing your recovery. And if you can recover properly then you're in a much better place going forward and being able to look after your health going forward and future-proofing your health as well so that you mightn't be thinking of it now just like when you're a teenager you're not thinking of your fertility when you're having babies you're not thinking of menopause if you are looking after your hormones and your health now and your sleep and your stress and you're finding ways to manage stress and to get a better night's sleep for now that's going to really help transition into the next period of your life. Some people don't even know about this fourth trimester you know because the fourth trimester is never really talked about at all like that it's just kind of you've had the baby now you don't need any help. Um, I think it's important that uh, women realize that they're still in recovery phase and that they need to look after themselves and they need to nourish their bodies um and they need to accept help and take help for from wherever it's being offered. Um but yeah it isn't talked about at all. Um for me this time around I was able to say, do you know when you have a I had a few weeks where um the baby wasn't wasn't sleeping well at all. He was waking and not a few weeks was probably the first two or three months, wakening every um, two hours. But I kept telling myself like, this isn't forever. This is going to change. Everything is transient. So kind of being able to tell yourself that nothing is permanent, that um, the sleepless nights won't be permanent, um, that your pain, your recovery isn't going to be permanent, that when you start breastfeeding that that excruciating pain of latching on isn't going to last forever um Mm. and all these things because when you're living and breathing your new baby something like no sleep at all can feel like it's the worst thing in the world but you remember then that if you've had more than one baby that these are the things you don't remember from you mightn't remember as much you try to focus on the more positive things but um it's just to remember that things do change eventually even if it's been going on a long time it will get better eventually
0: the concept though of the fourth trimester and people's attitude to us and you know seeing it as an extension to pregnancy and labor Uh, Do you talk to any of your clients about that like as they're going through their pregnancy?
1: If you've been trying for a baby for a really long time and you've gone through IVF maybe or you've gone through years of treatments or um, tests to see what's going on and then you're lucky enough to have your baby, maybe you've had recurrent miscarriage and then you finally get the baby you've dreamed of Um, and then everyone thinks you're on cloud nine and then you're not, and you're in pain, and it's you're in the first three months after having your baby, and maybe um, your milk isn't coming in right, or maybe your breasts are extremely sore, maybe you haven't recovered fully after a C-section, maybe your stitches haven't healed, and you're absolutely just not in a good place. You're not sleeping, and you're not in cloud nine, and. There can be a lot of guilt around this because I think, well, I've got what I've asked for and I'm still not happy. What's wrong with me? But um, this is, again, because we aren't given the permission nearly to say, well, I still need a lot of support. I still need my checkups to make sure everything's going okay, And I still need um, you to ask me if I'm okay. not just as the bumps okay um so yeah it can be really a hard time if you've been trying and then you're suddenly have this beautiful baby in your arms but you are not feeling in tip-top shape um so it's really um it's great that it is becoming more talked about but there is help out there for women in the fourth trimester but I still think there's such a long way to go I know in Britain that they get um, a pelvic floor physio um, after they've had a baby it's part of their um, treatment but um, that's not available to women in Ireland so I think we could really improve in that way and respect women more that have just had a baby And offer them these services
0: because you get offered everything throughout your pregnancy don't you depending on on the care but generally people don't let pregnant women in Ireland just roam around and give birth under a rock so you know it, it can be really scary to just be on your own all of a sudden and have nobody come and ask you about certain things that you're you know you're in the dark about
1: yeah everyone who's had a baby is part of the community and should be talking about it I think if you are planning on having another baby, it's really important that you know how to how to get your body back to a place that it is um, strong enough and has the nutrients it needs to start that journey again. I think when you know the foods that are needed to Build your body back up to um, restore homeostasis in your body, um, then you can really help with the recovery process.
0: Yeah. Do you have any hopes and aspirations for parents in this phase?
1: Just that they know that there's support out there. As well as for people, couples who are trying to have a baby, that they are aware that there's loads of support out there and people that are in the same situation. For people that are in the fourth trimester, that they know there's lots of support out there and a huge amount of communities out there supporting women and couples who are in the postpartum phase and starting a new family. It's not all perfect family pictures. There's a lot more going on.
0: Nutrition is something that partners and family can really, really help with. So if you're looking to, you know, be more proactive in that phase after a baby lands in the household, it's the perfect kind of area to get into and own is right running what, what everyone's going to eat for those first few
1: months and really looking after that side of things. And if your partner isn't confident in the kitchen, there is plenty of time in the 9 months before you have the baby to show them how to <laughs> boil eggs and make stews um the best thing i ever bought was an instant pot or a slow cooker and like all they need to do is throw everything in there and close the lid and you have the most nutritious meal that could last days because you can put so much in there so give them some cooking skills if it's not their area of expertise
0: so you Quite a varied experience in in all three of your pregnancies. Can you talk a little bit about your approach to postpartum periods and each of those pregnancies?
1: Yeah, of course. Um, so with my first girl, I researched everything, looked at all I needed to be taking. I was fully prepared, knew everything. Um, my recovery has been luckily very good after my two pregnancies. Um, I suppose I'm lucky that I know the foods that my body needs um for recovery and the sleep and that hydration is so important, um. But after the miscarriage, I didn't think um my body was just in total breakdown mode. Like I got mm. my first um really bad sinus infection. I'd never had a sinus infection, and my immune system was way down um I suppose I didn't respect my body enough to think that it needed the same nourishment and love and care after a miscarriage maybe um when you're pregnant your immune system is um going to be down anyways because you don't want to um be fighting off your baby you don't want your body to attack your baby because it is foreign um in your body and so After a miscarriage, it's going to be way down again. I think at the time, I was lucky that I had Eva for my other girl for distraction because she still needed her mommy. Not that you forget about it, but that you're just needed as well to look after another little baby. But then I I gave myself the opportunity to mourn. loss of our baby um Mm. in my own way um and on my own having other distractions for me it helped me because otherwise I was spending all my time at the time uh looking up all the research into what went wrong and what could have been different um
0: so looking after yourself in that phase was finding distraction yeah and, and looking to family for love and support exactly how has your fourth trimester been you're kind of at the end of it now I mean you, well how was those first few
1: months for you um they were my recovery was good I, I put that down to going to a pelvic floor physio as well um mm. and being confident that I was doing my pelvic floor exercises right and then afterwards, I think knowing what foods I needed, knowing the foods, knowing that I need to nourish my body with nutrient-dense foods, um, high-protein foods, high-fat foods, good fats, um, drinking enough water. And You're a big nerd. As well <laughs> as all that, like I'm having... um. Like having all the shit food as well. Yeah. Um, Knowing knowing that it's all okay. I think um, being very forgiving of myself for not getting everything perfect this time around. Making sure I made time for Eva as well. I was very conscious of that. Um, Would you recommend any other resources? I would recommend watching comedies funny things are <laughs> hanging around with funny people because one thing that can help with recovery is um, laughing and it'll get your blood flowing and that'll get blood down to anywhere that needs some extra nourishment or recovery actually one thing I did this time around was because I knew I'd be really busy having two kids. So um I tried to keep some sort of a food diary for the first few weeks just to make sure I was getting my nutrients in there. And I found at the end of every day that I wasn't eating half of enough of what I should. So okay. um I was adding in a meal at the end of every day because I wasn't eating enough for feeding or for anything for recovery. So yeah. um think that might be a, a good tip for people. Um, and I know you might be like, where the hell am I going to get the time to keep a food diary? But um, I just did it anytime I was eating. I wrote down what I'd eaten in the last hour or so just to keep track of it. And sure, it's brilliant then to be able at the end of say, oh God, I need to eat another meal or whatever. Um, I found that really helpful um, for a few weeks and it was just to keep track of my own recovery.
0: Yeah, that's a really good tip. I think that's a great tip. Okay, so now comes the time for my biscuit tin game. Yes. One word that springs to mind as we're talking that I think you might have
1: some more thoughts on is water. Underrated, yeah. Um, I don't think people realise just how beneficial water is for our health. Your skin thanks you. Your energy thanks you. Your sleep thanks you. Your digestion thanks you. Everything in your body is just so grateful that you're having water and your mind is clearer. So yeah, mm. water is so underrated.
0: Can you let us know where people can find you?
1: We're on Instagram as food underscore fitness underscore fertility. But we have a website, foodfitnessfertility.com. And you're on Facebook as well, foodfitnessfertility. But Instagram seems to be the place where most people get in touch. And we love chatting. So Please contact us. There's no such thing as silly questions. Um, ask lots of questions.